Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free audiobook just for trying them out for one month. Hey guys, welcome to the Book Guys. This is Professor Allen. I'm joined by, as always, by... Paul the Book Guy! How's it going, Professor? Awesome. And down in North Carolina, we've got... Surgery. Yeah, you got and the first red ripe tomato, everybody. Suck it. <laughs> uh, <Nice>. Excuse me? <laughs> Does he know his audio is on? <laughs> Oh, and, hey, I'm and, sorry. Uh, yeah, this is Sir Jimmy. Hey, welcome to the book, guys. Sorry. And, and we are joined in this special old school audio iTunes uh, exclusive edition by uh, Rob Kelly, who if we started to list all the places on the internet you could find him, we'd have a four and a half hour show like he once did on his own podcast. <laughs> Rob, welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, guys. I'm, I'm sorry I don't have any sort of super loud audio clip to follow my introduction. <laughs> yeah, we got to get a jingle for Rob. <laughs> we we do have a promo to play later in the show. Yay! Nice. So we're here specifically to talk about uh, about Ace Kilroy, Rob's web comic that is being turned into a uh, hardcover book. Tell us about Ace. Tell us about the web comic. Tell us about the Kickstarter. Uh, well, I said Ace Ace Kilroy is. Our, you know, my my partner, Dan O'Connor, he's the artist. Uh, our version of a classic American newspaper adventure strip, you know, like the kind that uh, were popular in the 1930s and 40s, like Dick Tracy and Steve Canyon and Terry and the Pirates. And our story is about a, a soldier of fortune, uh, you know, uh, adventurer and uh, World War One, you know, flying veteran, Ace Kilroy, who, after a bunch of years out of the country, um, hired by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for a sort of crazy secret mission, which involves uh, heading over to Transylvania to stop Dracula, who in this world is a real thing. There's there's the movie Dracula, but there's a real Dracula uh, to head over there and to stop it, stop uh, Dracula from becoming a pawn of the Nazi Party. This is all takes place in 1937 on the eve of World War II, and Ace has to make sure that the horrible supernatural monsters of the world don't become pawns of the Third Reich, because if they do, then Hitler and his armies will become unstoppable. But of course, this isn't the kind of thing that you can do on the up and up and, and, and you know out loud and in front of people, because who would believe such a thing? So Ace has to do all his missions undercover, and the, that's basically the, the setup to the strip. Brilliant. Is, 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 is that how you landed on the comic strip form? I mean, with uh, web comics, there are a million formats to choose from, lots of ways you know, to do a web comic. But the that daily panel with the special Sunday uh, sort of fits, like you said, the era. Is that sort of what you were going for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I Dan and I went to uh, the, the Joe Kubert School together uh, many many years ago, and we sort of lost touch. And then we we read New York Comic Con a couple of years ago, and I always loved Dan's work. You know, I can remember seeing his work for the first time at the uh, the, the the Clinton House, which was the housing decrepit housing that we lived in there and even at you know like 18 years old his stuff was solid and and really you know uh, well crafted and i just thought at that age i remember thinking oh crap you know i am out of my league here already 
And I've always liked Dan's stuff. And then over the years, he just got better. And so when I ran into him again, um, he was telling me some horror stories about being a freelance illustrator. And I had been a freelance illustrator for the past 10, 15 years as well. So I knew what he was talking about. And I, I got frustrated hearing him tell me, you know, oh, I did this job and I didn't get paid for it. Or I did this job and they didn't and run it correctly or the pages disappeared. And I was like, this guy is so talented. He should not be putting up with this nonsense. You know, I mean, that's just crazy. So uh, I knew that Dan was a big fan of, of classic newspaper strips. In fact, he's more well-versed in that stuff than I am. And I remember driving home from the con that weekend and thinking, boy, it'd be fun to really cla- it would be really fun to collaborate with this guy. And so I think like a day or two later, I pitched him an idea. I pitched him two ideas, one of which I described as Steve Canyon hunts the Universal Monsters. And the other one was a sort of Dick Tracy ripoff kind of thing. And he wrote me back and he goes, Steve Canyon fights the Universal Monsters? I'm, I'm in for that. So it wasn't too long after that that we both just, I don't know, I don't even think we ever decided to do it as a newspaper strip over a comic book. I think we, it, was just, it was just that from the beginning. It just seemed like that's the format we wanted to emulate. And uh, I, I don't think we ever even considered anything else. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we do it in black and white Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. And then we do the color Sundays. So yeah, it was, it was absolutely meant to emulate, um, those classic kinds of strips that, that, that's the stuff that's influential to me and, and to Dan and, and Dan's style to me looks like the kind of stuff you would have seen in a newspaper adventure strip in the 1950s. So it just felt like, uh, you know, that's the right format for it. I like the, uh, I like the time period too, pre World War II, but in that buildup period, so you're not, you know, if you're, you're, you're not hemmed in by historical events. Of if you try to do a World War II, you have to deal with the chronology, you know, of, of what actually happened and fit in, you know, like an uh, all-star squadron, you know. Type <laughs> yeah, of, the retro uh, continuity stuff. Yeah, the type uh, type of adventure, but doing it, like you said, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. You've got, like you said, the the drums of war beating, but you don't have specific, you know, timetable and, and targets that you have to hit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wanted that sense of sort of foreboding that, you know, we as the, I, I am keen to not make the, the, the strip jokey or sort of like have references that, that, you know, where the references that, oh, we as a modern audience know this, you know, I'm not, I don't go for that. I want to make it as straightforward as possible. But at the same time, you know, we we do know that war is coming, and these people, except maybe FDR, uh, don't know that. And I like that idea that you know, in 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 an era where the United States was really very isolationist, and you know, had just come out of World War One, and that war was deeply unpopular. Um, you know, the, this stuff has to be done on the sly. I thought that helped make Ace, you know, more of like a secret spy. In that, you know, he's got to kind of go around and do this stuff quietly uh, as opposed to uh, you know it being like he's he's not captain america you know right, he's right. not fdr's not using him as a propaganda tool this is something that's done on the sly and in fact you know i've got a we've got a subplot running in season two uh that talks about that there is a senator who is getting wind of these payments and these you know paperwork 
going around to some guy named same Ace Kilroy, and he's trying to pressure the president, saying, "Who is this guy? What's going on?" And of course, FDR, being a fairly slippery fellow, doesn't want to reveal that, and so that's kind of a running subplot that you know is Ace's mission going to get exposed by this senator who really is not particularly a fan of the president and is is not trustful of him. So uh, I, I'm a big sort of fan of politics of that era. I've read a ton of books on on that. Uh, from that period, especially of FDR. So I sort of like uh, layering that verisimilitude in there. You know, I mean, you know, this is a story with Wolfmen and, you know, Frankensteins and Draculas and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I like adding some of that real world political grit to it. So uh, th- that's been kind of fun ha- having that in the background. Uh, hey, Rob, this is this is Paul. In case you're wondering why I've been so quiet here in the backgrounds, because uh, I was over at Kickstarter. Uh, speaking of Ace Kilroy Volume Two, and uh, I just uh, threw a little backing there for your way. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your Kickstarter? Well, yeah, um, I mean, we we put the web com- you know, we started putting the comic up on uh, Halloween 2011 as daily installments, and you know, it's all for free. You know, I mean, it's just you don't have to. There's no club you can join. We I mean, we have a club you can join if you want to pay for it, but most people, of course, don't do that. But uh, you know, we put put it up for free and. At the end of the first season, which ended in April, we thought, well, we want to collect this into some sort of print edition because, you know, uh, we want to have, you know, that's where most people are going to want to read it, not on the web. I mean, I, I love web comics, but I don't read most of them on the web. I go and buy the print edition. So we always had that in mind. So we did a Kickstarter campaign last summer, and we were very successful. We raised 200% of what we were aiming to, to, to raise. So we published... The first season as a regular size comic, and then we did a special treasury edition because just I'm a giant nerd for treasury editions, and I was like, <laughs> damn it, I'm going to do my own treasury edition. And that was very successful, and we've been selling them at Comic Cons. Our plan was to basically do that after every season. So, uh, second season just ended on Monday, uh, Sunday, June uh, 16th, and the Kickstarter launched the next day. So, we're just a couple of days into it, we're already 25% funded. We would love to be, you know, a thousand percent funded if we could be, um, but we're 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 well on our way to, to meeting our goal, and we'll be able to put out a, a the the second edition, you know, volume two of the second season. I gotta say, uh, Rob, you're doing the Kickstarter right because I've seen some Kickstarters where, you know, if you pledge fifty dollars, we'll send you a thank you email. Where, <laughs> uh, as soon as I saw your your it was twenty dollars or more level, uh, I mean, I'm in Canada, I'm in Toronto, so uh, it cost me thirty because the you know the shipping went up, but. What a deal! Twenty bucks, I get the print and the PDF edition of the Ace Kilroy Volume Two, signed by yourself and Dan. That's a fantastic deal, folks. Uh, well, what's the what's the link the URL for the Kickstarter so folks can uh, send you uh, You know, the, the the URL's got all sorts of creepy numbers in it because it's some starter thing. If you just go to acekilroy.com, a c e k i l r o y dot com, there's a giant graphic with the Kickstarter logo and there's Ace drinking a cup of coffee. You just click to that and it'll take you right to the campaign. You got quite a few levels here of uh, sponsorship. I'm just thinking, going back to the Kickstarter page. Yeah, it's great. For them. for 50, 50 or more, you get the treasury sized. Oh, I didn't see that. I should have went there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, we're trying to do as many fun different things. I mean, this this time, so we were doing the regular size edition. We're also selling a side comic that we're doing, which is 
um, a, a little mini, it's not a mini comic in terms of its physical size, but a mini comic in terms of its length that features one of our side characters that sort of splits off from the main action. It doesn't really feature Ace Kilroy at all. So that's another book that you can buy. Uh, you can buy the Treasury Edition. Uh, you can buy the book with a alternate painted cover by um, an illustrator named Joel Napersteck, who was an old teacher of ours from the Cupid School, and he's a, a brilliant, cl classic, old-school pulp-style painter. So he's going to do a cover for us. Um, you can get a little Monster Rally mug that we call it. It's got two monsters and ace on it. And then uh, higher up on the uh, range, you can get some original art of Dan's. You can get an Ace Kilroy Mego doll that we have made especially <laughs> by, you know, by hand by a Mego craftsman. Uh, nice. Which comes with a little gun and a satchel and the whole bit. It looks just classic, like a, it looks like a classic Mego doll, except it's Ace Kilroy. Um, and then they always say on Kickstarter you should have one level that's like crazy high, just for the just for the hell of it. So this year, last year we did a sketchbook. Dan sold one of his sketchbooks for a thousand dollars, and we sold it. We sold it to a to a very generous fan. Uh, so this year we're doing a thing where we're doing we're calling it Ace Kilroy Bolarama. Where if you live in like the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area, uh, we will come, Dan and I will come, and you and a guest will go bowling with us for the day, and we will take you out <laughs> to dinner and get some drinks, and we will just talk about Ace Killer or whatever you want to talk about. Fantastic. You've got, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Rob, you've got, you know, Ace Kilroy is what, what we're focusing on here for the summer, but uh, I've I follow you on Facebook and, and listen to some of your your uh, podcasting efforts, and I know that there's another another uh, writing project down the road, maybe for fall or winter, about comic books. Um, can, you, can you tease us on Hey Kids Comics? Yeah, well, yeah, as you just said, the book is called, the full title is Hey Kids Comics, True Life Tales from the Spinner Rack. And it's an anthology. It's a prose anthology. It's not... I always have to be very careful because people confuse it. It's not comics. It's a prose, you know, prose stories. Anthology by different writers and journalists and comics bloggers and other types of people. All telling some story uh, that relates to comics in some way that was significant in their lives. Um, I, I have a blog. I started a blog called Hey Kids Comics a bunch of years ago. And I started taking in stories from people talking about, I remember, you know, buying this comic when I was six and it meant a lot to me and I still have it. Or, you know, uh, my dad took me comic shopping and, and I was really touched by a lot of the stories about how powerful they were. So I thought, well, this would make a really good book. Uh, apparently, I was the only one who thought that because like, <laughs> every single <laughs> publisher that I pitched it to was like, what is this? I, I, I don't understand what this is. And I'm like, I don't know. It's not that hard to figure out. You know, it's a book about comics, you know, and it just it just drew a bunch of blank stares. So I went ahead and did it on my own. I compiled it on my own. I've got stories, like I said, from I've got about, I think this book's going to have 39 different stories. Um, some from people you haven't heard of, some from you have. I have a story from Paul Kupperberg, who writes, you know, legendary Paul Kupperberg, who writes for Archie now. J.M. DeMatteis, um, the novelist Alan Brennert. I've got uh, a story from Chris Ryall, who's the president of IDW. Um, a bunch of other people, and they're all telling some true life story from, you know, their personal life about how comics influenced them or was important to them in some important way. And I have read all the stories, and I can say this because I didn't write any of them. I'm just writing the intro. These are 
amazing stories. There are some of them are are deeply, deeply powerful. Some are goofy, some are you know silly. Um, some are just more nostalgic sort of visits through old newsstands of the past. But but other ones are are really really powerful, and I think it's going to make a really really good book. And um, I'm not totally able to give you the full details in terms of how much it's going to cost and when and where you can get it. But tentatively, it's going to be out in September, and it'll be out as a print book and as an ebook. Um, and it did, you know, as well as the stories, it's going to have some vintage photos. Some of the authors submitted photos of themselves. You know, there's lots of photos of me and my um, family album of me holding up comic books and posing with them because it was important to me. And so I've got some photos like that. So it, I think it's really going to make a um, a great, great book. And and as far as I know, there is no book out there like it. There, there, just that book does not exist. There's lots of books that are anthologies about a certain topic. There's a book like that. There's books like that about sports, about movies, about television. But there is no book like this about comic books. And I think there's it's it's high time that there is one because I think it's uh, I think it's really going to be a great read. Hey, Rob. You know, I wish someone when I was a kid had told me that. You're not supposed to roll the comic books up and put them in your back pocket and then carry them <laughs> around until they're totally destroyed and then throw them out. I wish someone had told well, me, this is a backer card, this is a, a you know plastic bag, this is how you gently read it. <laughs> there's a, well, there's a story in there from my pal Doug Slack, who's a, an artist and a comic book, comic book writer, who talks about borrowing money from his mom to buy a, in 1982, what was a $5 comic book, in 1982 money, that was a fortune, because he was so sure it was going to be valuable one day. And uh, the argument he has with his mother about that is absolutely hilarious, because, of <laughs> course, his mother is like, $5 for a comic book? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You know, so it's all, it, all the stories are, are from different points of view, and some, a couple of them talk about, uh, you know, seeing, one, one guy talks about, um, looking at the X-Men and, and seeing how they were sort of outcasts and how he was as a young man knew he was, was gay and, and felt that way and, you know, felt similarly like an outcast and turned to the X-Men as a sort of surrogate parent, you know, to teach him that he was okay with who he was. I mean, they said some, some really, really great stuff. I'm very touched that the people who I asked to write these stories for me, first of all, that they did it in the first place, but that, that they really reached deep down into their psyche uh, for these stories. And I don't want to make it sound like it's a downer book. It's not. It's, I think it's a, it's a beautiful book. Um, but it's, like I said, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty powerful stuff. And I, I said, I think when you read it all together, cover to cover, it's, it's really going to have an impact. And I'm looking forward to doing volume two. I'm already sort of taking baby steps to working on the second volume. Now, don't spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure that $5 story, it obviously goes one of two ways. That book's <laughs> either worth, it's either worth $4,000 or it's in the quarter bin and still overpriced. <laughs> you have to it's read got, the book to find out. I know, I know. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes, of course, to your website and book. All the good stuff you got going on. Uh, we have a promo, yeah, uh, I, Professor Allen. I, I, I see a note here that we have a promo to play. Is, that, is this the appropriate time to uh, hit it? All right. I'm going to hit it then. 1937. To keep the increasingly threatening Third Reich from achieving a supernatural doomsday weapon, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt secretly turns to soldier of fortune, adventurer, and World War I hero Ace Kilroy. 
Ace Kilroy is a serialized webcomic that launched on Halloween night 2011. The co-creation of writer Rob Kelly and artist Dan O'Connor. It was nominated for a 2012 Eagle Award for Favorite Webcomic. And Kelly won a 2012 Philadelphia Geek Award for Comic Book Writer of the Year. Ace Kilroy features adventure, horror, mystery, political intrigue, and romance. Join the fight against evil. Visit acekilroy.com. Brilliant. <laughs> I got to say two things about that promo. And uh, as we, we, we talked a couple episodes ago, I, I've got a, a podcast idea kicking around in the back of my head and have tried to put together a promo myself. But two comments on that promo. One, West Anthony, you actually got an actual voiceover artist yep. uh, uh, to do the promo. And two, it clocks in well under a minute, 45, 48 seconds, something like that. Yeah, both. Both brilliant moves. <laughs> yeah, I knew you had to get in and get out. You couldn't like last long. Yeah, I had never heard of uh, West actually, or if I had, I'd sort of forgotten until I stumbled upon his podcast, The Altercast, which uh, I didn't know existed until like six months ago. And I was like, I heard one. I think maybe one minute into the first show that I heard of his voice, and I'm like, that's the guy. That's the guy because. Last year, um, the, a friend of mine did the voiceover, and he did a perfectly fine job, but it, we, he sort of did it out of default because there was nobody else to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I really, despite having a podcast, I generally don't like public speaking, and I don't, have the, I don't really have a, a good radio announcer voice, as anybody listening to this can, can tell. Um, Dan wasn't really able to do it. So I was like, well, I want to get somebody good. So like, as soon as I heard West's voice, I'm like, that's it. That's the guy. I got to get that guy. So I emailed the, the cool thing, uh, uh, Rob, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, about that, that promo is that he's using that, you know, the 30s, 40s voice, the radio TV yes. voice. And for folks at yeah. home who don't know, uh, you know, all, all that stuff from that era, everyone speaks like that. Apparently that was an accent that only actors used on film and television that somehow never actually made it to uh, mainstream reality. Uh, so uh, as an actor, you had to learn how to speak like this. And yeah, nobody ever really talked like that. Right. But, uh, but so yeah, I wrote to I wrote to West and I asked him, "Would you do it?" And he was very generous and said, "Oh, I'd love to. It sounds great." And uh, he he actually sent me two versions: one of him in his normal voice, and then one as he called his Walter Winchell voice, which is what you hear. <laughs> and I was like, "West, that's it, man. That is it." So I told him that from now on, if if, if we can keep going with Ace Kilroy and do more and more stuff, he's going to be our narrator. Because uh, not only is West a great guy, he's got the perfect, perfect voice for Ace Kilroy. So uh, he's my he's my guy, and I'm really proud of the video. I think it came together well, but he really makes it sing. There's a uh, there's another uh, podcast and, and and movie website called uh, Battleship Pretension, and right, right. Um, they do a lot of they have their own podcast, but they do movie reviews. And every I think every week or so, they have West read one of their movie reviews and put it in their feed. I mean, that's how, oh, that's awesome. that's yeah, how great, great that voice is. Yeah. yeah, I can listen to him all day. You, uh, mentioned, you mentioned your own podcast. We, yes, we can't uh, let should you get I hit out the of here jingles, without... Uh, uh, with, should I hit the jingle? Should I do it? Hit it. Podcasts. I know Rob has a lot of podcasts. First, Rob, <laughs> tell us about your... Your uh, long affection for the King of the Seas, how exactly that came to be, how you came to be Aquaman's internet defender uh, on the blog, and then how that morphed into uh, the podcast. Into a podcast. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I've never not liked Aquaman. I can never not liking him. I mean, I watched the Super Friends. You know, the Super Friends was on live. You know, it was on the air when I was a kid, and I never just. You know, I don't remember a time when when Aquaman was not a character in my life that I enjoyed. Uh, if I want to get all psychological about it, I've always been sort of scared of the water. So I have to think a guy that rules the ocean. That's probably why I think he's so cool. Um, but then over time, you know, as I got older and I recognized that he was sort of like the Rodney Dangerfield of superheroes, sort of always put upon. You know, I wanted to kind of defend him a little bit. You know, it's like, hey, I like this guy. Why is everybody ragging on him so bad? So, you know, that went on and on and on and on all throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And then um, by the mid-2000s, I had amassed a small collection of Aquaman merchandise. I'd sort of sort of informally started collecting stuff. And one day I just absentmindedly said, you know what, I'm going to put my collection up on the Internet. I'm going to make a blog, and I'll just post a picture of my Aquaman Mego doll, my Aquaman drinking glass, my Aquaman, you know, whatever. And I'm like, this will last, like, you know, I sort of did the math, and I got this many items, and if I post every other day, I'll have a year and a half's worth of items. Okay, so I'll do this for a year and a half. <laughs> and um, over time, it just really blew up into this giant thing where now I've got correspondence, and I've got somebody that runs our Twitter feed for us, and it really became a huge, huge thing. It's It's... I wouldn't be doing Ace Kilroy if not for the Aquaman Tron. I wouldn't be doing Hey Kids Comics. I mean, all of it sprang from the connections I made through the Shrine. I mean, I through the, through the Shrine, I've gotten to be personal friends with some comic book writers who I grew up reading. And that means more to me than I can possibly express. You know what I mean? I mean, like I have a, a comic, an Aquaman comic from 1977 that I remember reading on family vacations, written by Paul Kupperberg, and now I'm personal friends with Paul Kupperberg. And and he has a story in the you know in the book. And I'm just like, I can't believe I get to be friends with this guy. I can't you know, it just seems crazy to me. Um, so the shrine has really given me quite a lot. And people really you know, the the Aquaman fans came out of the woodwork and it's really become quite its own little thing. And so then over time I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a podcast because everybody was doing them at that point. And I knew I didn't want to do it alone. Uh, I just didn't want to talk to myself or, you know, I just knew that it wouldn't be any fun if it was just me. So I asked my friend Shag, who runs a Firestorm fan blog, I thought, well, why don't we do a podcast together? Your character, my character, we'll have twice as much to talk about. Uh, Firestorm is, you know, not similarly put upon as Aquaman. He doesn't quite have this sort of running joke persona that Aquaman had for, for a long time. But but Firestorm's experienced the, the pain of cancellation as well. So it was something that him and I, you know, Shag and I could sort of come at to together. And that was in uh, also 2011 and we've just been doing it ever since. And we have a whole lot of fun. I love doing the show with Shag. And uh, despite the fact that we argue on the air a lot, uh, I really love our dynamic and I, I love doing the show. Hey, that's all we do. <laughs> An hour of arguing. <laughs> What I like, I mean, I, you know, uh, 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 Aquaman has been, without a doubt, one of the surprise hits of DC's New 52 initiative the last yeah. couple of years. And, and really, in a sense, this might be maybe the last five years, sort of Aquaman at his peak. You, you're you're, you're uh, riding the wave, shall we say. I'm hoping we'll see an Aquaman movie now that, you know, 
Uh, the Dark Knight has been done so well, and Man of Steel has hit the screens pretty hard. Uh, maybe we'll see an Aquaman soon. I, I'll believe that when I never see it. That's, I, I just don't <laughs> think... I, I can't believe that DC's going to ever get around to that. I, really, I, I would love to be wrong, but I just they can't get a Wonder Woman movie made. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I can't see them ever getting Aquaman, but maybe. You know, hell, I would love it. I would love it if they did. In, in, in uh, retrospect... Would you rather a Aquaman movie not have been made, or whether, or would you prefer it to have been, say, of the Green Lantern quality? So oh God! Means, no. so I'm, I'm sort of what's better for the character: nothing or real disappointment? Um, that's a good question. I mean, in terms of his public profile, a bad movie is better than nothing. Um, but I, I, I mean, if if I want to like really think about what would I what, how much would it break my heart to see a bad Aquaman movie pretty bad it would it would pretty severely break my heart if I saw an Aquaman movie as bad as I thought Green Lantern was so I, just on a personal level I'd rather not see them do it at all if they're going to do it yeah. like that um, but but in terms of you know getting his name out there and becoming a even more of a globally recognized icon it probably would be good for him because you know kids know who Green Lantern is now more than they ever used to, but but Aquaman is still up there. I I, I one time uh, I interviewed Paul Levitz, of course, who was at the time president of DC Comics, because he wrote Aquaman, and I interviewed him for the Shrine, and I actually got into like a little mini argument with him because he believes that Flash and Green Lantern are bigger icons in terms of global popularity than Aquaman, and I don't believe that. I never did. I still don't. Um, they've always been bigger comic book stars, but who the hell cares? Um, I still think the average person has heard of Aquaman more than they've heard of Flash or Green Lantern. And I have used the shrine to make numerous examples of my point, which, which I think is uh, ironclad evidence. Um, and I, I think that if they did make an Aquaman movie, they would not have to do a whole lot of backstory to explain who he was. I think a lot of people just still know him from his just you know he's been around for so long I, a lot but uh but, you know uh, dc doesn't always believe that but the, you know of course they don't hire me to run their iconography campaigns yet yet <laughs> uh this has been a lot of fun guys uh is it about i think that music is coming very soon for us alan what do you say hit it thank you so much for joining us rob Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We'll post some links to your stuff on the website. And stay tuned, folks. See you next week. What is it, Professor? How does it go, Professor Allen? Same book time? Same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel.